Welcome everybody to the Robert John and the Wreck Album Listening Party Podcast. We streamed this live earlier today on our Facebook and Instagram channels, but we wanted to share this on the Wreck Podcast outlet as well. It was amazing to have all of you from all over the world, over 5,000 people in total, tune in and get involved in the conversation. It's a crazy world we're all currently living in, and we are so excited and blessed that we have the technology to still be able to connect with you all through these tough times. Just a quick reminder that our brand new record, Last Line on the Highway, releases worldwide next Friday, May 8th, through streaming platforms and is available as a digital download as well as on CD and vinyl through our website at www.robertjohnandtherec.com. Uh, we hope you enjoy this sneak peek into our new record, Last Light on the Highway, as well as commentary and insights into how the record was made and the inspiration slash process behind the songwriting and album recording process. We hope you guys are staying safe being healthy and being happy and positive and uh, enjoy Last Light on the Highway. This is so awesome that all you guys showed up in these kind of numbers. This is amazing. So thank you all for being here. We're super excited to share this new album with you guys. This is the first time that everybody will be able to hear it all the way through. Yeah. And the one other exciting thing that we get to say today while everyone's here before people fall off is we're doing a live stream on Saturday. So we're doing a live stream dedicated to us releasing our record where we play all the songs from the record top to bottom. Yeah. May 9th. May 9th. Uh, around the same time, right? Yep. Yes. 1 yes. p.m. 1 Except p.m. on Saturday instead of on PST. Sunday. Presented by Hampton Productions. Yeah. Presented by Hampton Productions. All right. I think I feel good about this. We miss all you guys, too. We're really bummed. I think everyone would think that we didn't get to go on tour yeah. this year. We, we were good very, about very to bummed. leave on tour right now, you know? So yeah. Yeah. Um, it's really disappointing that we don't get to talk to everyone. But this is awesome. Yeah. yeah. I'll take this. This is great. What's up, Big D? You, Big D. Yeah, I can't wait to get back on the road, get back well, to Europe. We love that venue. Get up to the UK. It's got my beer delivery, so I'm good to go. Hey, <laughs> you Thank you, Rachel. <laughs> okay, are we ready to go? All right. Are you ready for this? Go good. Song one. We got some good numbers. Song number ready? one. Here we go. You guys ready? <clears throat> Song number one, Ole Miss Carolina.
those painful thoughts and then we can get back to the place that we begin Oh Miss Carolina So this is like a, a Robert and Ian song. Do you want to just, just talk about the writing of the song a little bit? Yeah, it, uh, our buddy Ian Cullen, um, one of my best friends, is in a band called Jeremiah Red and also plays in a band called Sega Genocide. is a massive 90s cover band down here in Orange County. And um, he's a great songwriter, and we've been playing around with, with that, that song for a while, and we finally brought it into the band, and we kind of just completely shifted the whole song around um there was a there's a part of that portion of that song that we thought was the chorus bringing it in and then it didn't it wasn't the, even the close to the chorus and um so and that that's what it that's what happens when you know the full band becomes involved in a song and all the ideas come together that that you know two people in one room might not have ever heard which is really cool about this song um because it was something that you know we thought was cool, but then once we brought it to the band, it totally changed and, and brought in new life. Uh, and that wouldn't have happened if, you know, we, the band didn't get together with it. So, um, that's kind of how that, that song came into the world. Yeah. It's been on planet rocks, a list for four weeks now in the UK, Yeah, which is pretty humbling and amazing. Yeah. yeah. Cause we've seen a lot of great people on that list. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, that song's a great song, and I think everyone uh, has figured that out. So I'm excited. And you probably already heard that song because it was the first single that was on the record. So let's move on to the next song. And this is something that hasn't been out, oh, not released. This yet. is something that is very well, fresh for most people. One last thing to mention on the Ole Miss Carolina song is... Uh, Obviously, the backing vocalists um, that we yeah. got from Joe Marlos's band to record on yeah. that track really made everything pop. Shout out so. to Mahalia Barnes, Jade McRae, and Juanita Tippins. Yeah, yeah. with thanks you guys amazing. so much. Yeah, they amazing job. That one out of the park. So, thank you. It guys. just took it to a whole nother level. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Josephine. Yeah. <laughs> What's up, Derek? Yo, Derek. Derek on? Derek. Yeah, Derek Wong. <laughs> The very original bass player, uh, Robert John the Wreck, is on right now. We should text Nick. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Text him while we we play this one. Here's uh, song number two, Work It Out.
hear a dog barking? I don't have a dog. I heard a wolf. <laughs> yeah, that's so confused. He's giving a shout out. He really liked the song. Nice. Yeah. Another bass player in the house. <laughs> is Nick here? No, Dave. <clears throat> oh, Dave. Oh, uh, Dave? let's try to get all the Robert John bass players. I could text Sean Barrett right now. <laughs> uh, get all the Robert John bass players. Um, I think I had the initial idea for this song. Uh, and everyone asks right away about the horns. They go like, oh, you guys got horns on this track and you've never done that before. We've had horns on almost every record <laughs> that we could. And Robert had horns back when he was Robert John Band. So it's always been in our blood to have horns on songs. We want an 11-piece band if we can ever get to it. I think it just costs an amount of money that we can't afford right now, but we'll get there. So, um, But we always love those old soul songs and the sound of horns and stuff. And um, I think... How this started was I had a chorus, and I'm really good at working backwards with songs. I go chorus first. And if you didn't know, uh, everyone in Robert John writes songs or writes pieces of songs or uh, has important pieces of songs. So um, it's a team sport. Everyone's doing their own part, and we don't, it's not, uh, every, everyone, we're constantly working on it to make these songs better as a team. And th- if we didn't do that, these songs wouldn't be the amazing masterpieces that they are. So anything like that, they would. Um, but I remember having the chorus and the chord progression and throwing it to Robert and Steve and going like, here, this song's going to be awesome. Figure it out. And they're like, well, what's it about? And I'm like, it's about fighting in a relationship and, you know, uh, knowing that you have to get past it because you're going to stay together. And we're all at points in our lives, you know, where that's sort of the mindset. It's like, well, we're not going to break up. So we got to fucking work this out. (laughs) So, uh, how did you guys do writing the verses? I remember me and Steve just sitting on Steve's patio, which we did a lot for the a lot of the verse writing of this of this record, and just sitting there and brainstorming what you know what that concept is. And uh, I, I remember you know multiple times. I think you know there was we just throw out a, a you know a bunch of different lines, and we we realize which ones stick and which ones make sense, mm-hmm. and which ones we can relate to, which ones are like kind of way too far out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have some, I mean, I forget. What was that? I said, I, I had a few of those way far out there lines. I was like, oh, it'd be funny. If yeah. It's like, oh, no. It's like Steve throws out that line like he's fishing, and then you just kind of have to reel it back in to yeah, where yeah. it's close enough to where, like, okay, okay, that makes sense. I remember there's one line on this song that I reeled back in from the both of you, which is, yeah. there's, uh, what was it? Like, there's no one, uh, there's no, no there's one like, for me, no one left for you. Yeah. Yeah, it's so mean. It's like, you know, the last two people at the bar are being there. It's like, well, I guess we'll be together then. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I think it was a little ruder. Like it was like there's no no one else for me and no one left for you. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm all you got, baby. Like we're stuck with each other. Um, this is one of another one of the great solos on this song. Like Carolina has a great solo. This song has a great solo. Gold has a great solo. Yeah. But uh like, what what was your approach in playing solos on these songs this time? Because I know I really we really pushed each other to like write a solo. Yeah, where you're more of an improviser. Yeah. Um, usually, as we work this stuff out, there's uh, some. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> See what you did there. 
You what? said the name of the song title. The song. You said work it out. Oh yeah, when we work <laughs> these songs out, so to speak. I didn't even realize I was doing it. Um, there's like there's sort of mo- 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 motif ideas that sort of reveal themselves throughout the process, and it's usually pretty abundant, abundantly clear within the first say two or three times of running the song song of like some ideas and by the time we record the song i'm usually playing the song in my brain and i have a solo in my brain already and uh it goes through it either goes through revisions after that or not and this was like this was a really exciting song for me because i remember when we were first working on it we were like we need to do the Jimi hendrix mitch mitchell thing as far as the drums and guitar interacting and we did tone that down a little bit but i still like this is a song where i was like in the studio and i was like oh man i get to bring my strat out and do all these like kind of hendrixy mixed with old like chicago blues stevie ray vaughn licks on it which i don't really get to do a lot uh and and it's just not necessarily the right sound so it was like a cool opportunity to kind of do something different mosaic and and yeah that's cool (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's why uh, I say that, you know? are we ready to move on uh, uh, let me do one more thing uh, just yeah. because, of, just because to, uh, of 504 horns in New Orleans that, that played horns oh yeah oh yeah and Ian Smith um, just did a fantastic job I met those guys uh, they were playing horns on the Mark Broussard West Coast run that, that we did in the fall and uh, we hit them up to to do the song and they sent back the tracks and just knocked it out of the park man so Thank yeah, you. it was really awesome. Yeah, really Listening. professional and really did great. In New Orleans, thank you guys so much, Jason. You did an amazing job. Yeah, thank you guys. Uh, thank you I guys. love that we sent uh, these songs to our friends that we've met now, and no revisions at all. Yeah, we didn't do any revisions with anyone. That just means we were working with the right people, and that's like such a great experience. Very much so. Yeah. Amen. Zeke says this is way better than liner notes on a record sleeve. I think so because you get to hear it direct from the source. Yeah. yeah. And we're going to post this up as a podcast, I think, right? That's the plan. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you're going to have this set of liner notes for real for forever. You can go right. back and check out all the stuff until the internet crashes completely. Hey, <laughs> knock on wood. Yeah. It might happen. It's not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the internet isn't uh, impervious to coronavirus, yeah. apparently. It the coronavirus <laughs> Just wait, man. Just wait till it gets into the... It's going to get in the tubes, man. It's going to get yeah. in the internet tubes, bro. The internet, the internet, the internet was eating a net, bat bro. sandwich. <laughs> bat, bat soup. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, man, I just can't. <laughs> What's up, Ian? There's, there's our segue. All right, here's uh, track three. Can't stand it. Another sleepless night A hundred hours I've been waiting up for you to call I wonder if I might Be going out my mind Thinking if you care at all I got no reason to stay here If I ain't got you with me, dear Go. 
yesterday Trying to contemplate what it was that went so wrong It's not about taking sides or who is wrong or right I just need you in my arms I got no reason to stay take the lead on this one yeah so um i put this song together um and it was definitely not <laughs> the way that it, it didn't start out the way that it, that it ended up finishing uh on the record so uh, it was way more like kind of 90s like like almost like dashboard <laughs> <laughs> started doing it and then uh and I, I i brought it in and it was like eh, like we're not really sure how we feel about this one and then uh Andrew and I were were working on tunes up at his place in Pasadena, and uh, he was like, he was like, I like it, but it's not quite there yet. Like, what if we just like shuffled it? Like, what if we just did it as a shuffle? And then we did that, and all of a sudden, like everything worked and clicked, which I thought was just just brilliant, man. It was just that one little tiny tweak that completely changed. Yeah, it was like, how do we? Steve writes great pop songs, and then. You need to turn those pop songs that are like this raw material into a Robert John the Rex song. Yeah. Which, you know, okay, what are the elements that make this thing? And then it's like, we can't do this as a 90s throwback. So we have to do it as something else. So uh, it was like, oh, this would be perfect for like the Eagle Shuffle. What's the, like, I think Heartache Tonight was like yeah. the inspiration for the beat yeah, in the yeah. groove, right. you know? And then. Once we just start with that bass, it's like, okay, well, what are the things that make it us? I think that's the guitar harmonies that Henry had uh, put on it, and that was all yeah. Henry. Yeah. So it was, and then, it, sorry, to cut you off. It was, it was, so it was because Steve and I had already been working on the harmonized part, 
And so I did, I came up with that part. And what's cool about the blend of that mix is it's got two of my guitars on it, but then in the middle is Steve's like super punchy electric piano sound. Which I feel is like the biggest Easter egg for people. Right. (laughs) Because I feel like people listen to it and obviously it's guitar harmonies, but they don't realize that Steve actually has one of those in there as well on the keys. Yeah. Which I... And I'm so and I'm still- overdriving a uh, I've got my uh, the Wurlitzer patch on my Nord uh, that I'm running through like a uh, I think it's the like the Blues Junior amp sim nice and just crunching it up and stuff so it's 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 really fun like I don't get the I can't do the bends on on my keyboard but it's really fun to to be able to play along with Henry and mm-hmm. kind of sit in there and it gives it a, a slightly different tone than yeah it was another guitar right and we can do it live. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's something that's like a it's even like an Almond Brothers thing. Like there are a couple of Almond Brothers tunes where they do that. They actually have yeah. like a keyboard blending with two guitar harmonies and stuff like that. The cool uh, thing. I think this is another song, obviously, that the girls took to another level. Yeah. So yeah. Steve, you wanna Yeah, so th- this was <laughs> it was great, man. They so we sent sent the uh these tunes off to Mahalia Barnes and Jade McRae. And Juanita Tippins out in Australia, and uh, and they sent it back, and it was amazing. And then I was like, "Oh shit!" I totally forgot to ask for ad libs at the end, because so I emailed them back. I'm like, "Hey, is there any way you can you know throw throw down some ad libs?" And they each went through and did a whole track of just stellar ad libs for the end. <laughs> and uh, oh, killing. So and it was amazing. And all literally all I had to do mm. was kind of mute one out. And then unmute and mute and you know, just kind of patchwork it that way in the uh, in the build for the song, and it was just absolutely perfect, man. They they rip. Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah, like that song at the end goes to another level. Yeah. I love like it's like we without these extra things, like these songs are good but not great, and just we finally hit that level of like we need to put everything we can into it. Like who, who could we beg, borrow or steal from to, you know, make this record a better record. And they like, yeah. we couldn't have this record without them. So yeah. 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 Crushed it. Absolutely crushed it. Killed yeah. it. Uh, I have one more funny comment about this. And yeah. someone had emailed me who had gotten the record early and said, Hey, I really like this song. Can't stand it on the line where it says the silence is killing me. You need to hold for longer on that when you do it live. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I was like, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah. I'll listen to that. Let's so, do it. Uh, whoever just said that, I can't remember who you were, but. Come back in. Huh? Just leave the stage and then come back in. Yeah, that's the thing we have to do where it's just like, yeah. freeze. I can't stand it. <laughs> that would be really fun. No, but that was funny. I don't think I've told you guys about that. So, but let's move on. Cool. Next song. If you guys have any questions about these songs or anything like that, go ahead and put them in the chat. We'll be happy to answer them for you. Exactly. If you have any other just general questions too, just throw them in the chat as well. Thank you, everyone, for hanging out. I just looked at the number at 190 and uh, another 36 on Facebook. So, or on Instagram. Yeah. Nice. Here's track four Tired of Drinking Alone. Place 
question from Amanda Diva. How do you come up with ideas for your songs? Are they based on personal things in your lives? Um, I think most of the tunes that, that we that we come up with and that we write uh, all stem from personal experience. Either if it happened to us or if we've seen it happen uh, with with other people and their, their relationships. And uh, this song was uh, really personal to me uh, when I came up with the idea for it. Um, 
it wasn't about a romantic relationship. I, I try to, I write a lot of tunes, both for my solo stuff and, and for songs to bring to Robert John the Wreck that have to do with romantic relationships or uh, not having romantic relationships. And um, this one was actually about a platonic relationship uh, with a buddy of mine that we just kind of fell out of touch and, and, uh, and I missed him. And I was like, dude, like, bro, I missed hanging out with you and drinking with you. And, uh, and so I just kind of wrote, wrote that about, like we were both kind of going through some difficult times in our personal lives and, when I was like, dude, like everything would just be so much better if we could just get together and have a couple beers and whiskeys and vodkas. And, and little did you know. And little did I know that it would take on this whole new meaning with crying. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I got a question from John Thompson uh, asking what guitar I use on this. And actually, no, there is not a single SG on this song. Um, I used a strat for the rhythm on the neck position, and then I used another strat for the lead on the neck position for the slide part. So it was a it's a strat song actually, weirdly enough. Uh, Steve, talk about the video. Yeah, so the video, um, man, I just I, I love the way that it came out. I hope you guys have seen it. If you haven't seen it yet, it's uh, it's up on our YouTube page and here on Facebook. Uh, we asked uh, a bunch of our friends that we met on the road uh, to, and we sent them the song and just asked them to sing along and pretty much left it open to everyone to just uh, do whatever they wanted to do with it. And what we got back was incredible. We, we ended up getting uh, 32 different feeds of video that people filmed themselves from all over the world. And uh, and it was just amazing uh, to see the response and the support um, and just get to see our friends' faces and what they wanted to do with, with you know, their part of singing along to the song and cut that all together. And we got it uh, premiered on Rolling Stone, France, which was huge. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, and I'm, I'm, I was very humbled by everybody's contributions and willingness to take time out of their day to be involved in what we're doing and show support. Yeah, it was really great. So we're getting a couple in, uh, questions from Haley, and I saw another one of yeah. like, uh, Josephine here. Who inspired us? What are our influences? And I think the easy answer is that it's different for everyone, and everyone's a writer in the band. So, I mean, we could just go down the line here and talk about a couple influences, but... I really like singer-songwriters. I really like Ryan Adams when I was like joining this band and getting more into singer-songwriter country kind of stuff. And then I grew up as like a normal 90s, uh, 2000s kid. So the bands that sort of, it might not sound like it, inspired me for this sound or people like Kings of Leon. And then the Black Crows were big in the 90s. And then... Just really listening to all the 70s stuff. Like, everyone in California listens to classic rock radio. And, you know, you hear everything from the 70s. So just all that stuff gets into your DNA. And then you just start writing what you love, you know? It's like, what's a good song sound like? It's less about the influences and more about where it comes from. 
What about yeah. you guys? I mean, I, I, I come from that singer-songwriter world, the Amos Lee, right, Ray LaMontagne, Damien Rice, um, you know, world as well, just from where I came from. and um, But also before that was the classic rock, you know, thing that happened, you know, in junior high and listening to all the classic uh, rock bands of the time, you know, like downloading whatever you can on, LimeWire or Kazaa or whatever. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, and, and then actually like, you know, getting older is when I started listening to more of the, the Almond Brothers and the Black Crows and everything that kind of people put us in that, in that category. But I really didn't grow up with that. I grew up with uh, a lot different styles than Almond Brothers and Black Crows. I mean, now I just love almost everything, but um, <clears throat> that's where I came from. Yeah, I was a big fan of of Thrice growing up. Which is, yeah, um, and just their their lyric content and what they do with their melodies and stuff really really inspired me. And and then uh, getting into like college and post college, it was like all the Mark Broussard stuff and listening to uh, Damien Rice was also just awesome to listen to. Traveling around and really just letting it take you out of your own head and transport you someplace else with lyrics and melodies and stuff was, was amazing. Yeah. I would say I started with, uh, the classic rock thing. Like the first guy that got me really into playing guitar was probably Eddie Van Halen. My dad showed me Van Halen when I was around 12 and, uh, it kind of made me just forget about everything else. Cause I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever heard. And, uh, it's still definitely way up there for me. Um, I'm a huge Van Halen fan. But, uh, but yeah, later on, um, I started getting into writing songs and a uh, big record that had an impact on me was the Bob Dylan record, Blood on the Tracks, which I still listen to a lot. And Great when record. I think about songwriting, that's sort of the benchmark for me, basically. Um, and then, you know, as far as like slide playing and stuff like that, like, like to be honest, I really, I had always kind of casually played slide, but I didn't really get super into it until I joined Robert John the Wreck. And that took me down a whole rabbit hole of like the Derek Trucks guys. And there's all kinds of people like, um, like Ariel Posen and, and, um, newer guys that are just like crushing it. And on top of that, I'm a huge fan of, of pedal steel, like Buddy Emmons and, and country pedal steel players and stuff like that. So a lot of times when I'm playing slide, uh, I, I do try to mimic that as much as possible, basically. <laughs> And then, of course, the old guard of, of classic rock guitar players, Jimmy Pages, Jimi Hendrix, uh, basically. And, yeah, that's kind of in a nutshell for me. Um, specifically for this record, I was listening, I got back into a band called Daddy Cool, which is like a uh, an Australian band, actually, out of Melbourne, which is kind of coincidental because we ended up having um, the Australian backing singer sing on our, our band, or on our album, which was cool. But uh, Daddy Cool also has this kind of like cool doo rock and roll it's kind of like early stones mixed with like a doo-wop almost like a band that you'd see at like your prom from like the early 60s or something like that but um yeah I, especially like that song can't stand it like the kind of walking baseline thing like if you listen to a daddy cool song i think you can directly draw a line to that sort of influence and um and they're not a super well-known band so if nobody's ever heard of them i'm definitely gonna say check out daddy cool because they're pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, this is a good um, question. Thomas <laughs> said, is there someone you'd like to do a song with? Like a like a collab. Live or dead? 
Oh. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that's, no, that's a good question. Uh, let's play the next song and think about that. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. So here is the next song on the record. Track number five, Do You Remember? Henry. <laughs> <laughs> Almost lost good. me. I'll get back. 
<laughs> we have bodily functions. We need to go get drinks. It always happens. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just like any other party we're having. So, I just clicked uh, the wrong button and then I left. So. <laughs> Robert, do you want to talk about this one? Yeah. Uh, I, I, it's, it's, it seems so long ago now. So like I'm trying to remember, uh, do you remember? Um, but no, I just remember sitting uh, in Steve's living room, and I think for this one, we just kind of were like, let's write a song. You know, just yeah. kind of like that thing, like nothing was really there. We didn't like, just started playing chords and seeing what, what kind of came out. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, we just started playing around with like a do you remember line and, and the chorus of what it was, and then. I think once we brought it in and, and created more of like a, a structure for it is really when it hit started hitting um, that thing and then going back and, you know, writing down some lyrics that, that were, you know, meant something as far as like, you know, what we remembered growing up and everything. And so this is one of those songs that, you know, wasn't really like a, um, a predetermined idea, just kind of what came out of our fingers and our minds at, at the time. Is that what you remember, Steve? Yeah, I, I remember uh, the the initial inspiration <laughs> for this was uh, was we we were out we we had finished working on another tune and we were and we had some time left over and so we were like hey like do you want to do another one like see what we can come up with even if it's just some ideas bounce some ideas around and you're like yeah so we went out we had a cigarette on my front porch and then uh, and I was like is there any tune that like any song idea that you're that you're thinking of or bouncing around you know doesn't have to be anything that's uh, you know, any ideas made up or whatever. And I remember you said, uh, yeah, like, I kind of want to write a song about, like, do you remember, like, when we were, like, younger and didn't have as many responsibilities and stuff and, you know, just kind of like, you know, talking about, like, how we were as, as kids and teenagers when, like, we had didn't have any responsibilities and we could just mess around all day and all that stuff. And I was, I think I just went like, do you remember or something like that? Like just messing around and you were like, yeah, I like that. And then we went inside and started, started working on it. Yeah. Which was, which was really fun. And I just love that line being dumb and full of dreams. Yeah. Just <laughs> God. And then once, you know, once, once the whole band got a hold of it with the intro and that, that, that awesome yeah. lead line in the, in the beginning and yeah, middle and end um, really gave that song a new life, you know, and then, you know, putting in that, that groove, which I don't know what, what first comes to your mind, Andrew, but uh, I remember hearing that line. Do you remember, do you remember being free and going like, this is a winner. We're going to yeah. have to do a lot of work to get it to be something great. But like, that is, I was just thinking like, like what is the piece that people remember? And if we have that, we can work backwards and get yeah. there, you yeah. know? So once I heard that, I was like, this is a good one. Like let's work on it until it's great. So I remember, I remember Robert and I just ended up like we just wrote a bunch of verses and then figured out like which ones stuck, you know? Yeah. And, which one made sense? Because the, the chorus and the verses uh, all start with do you remember? So we just had to like solidify what the rhythms were and the rhythms differentiate the verses and the chorus and stuff. But I think the uh, for the most part, like the, the song was pretty much all verses when we first brought it in, right? Am I remembering that correctly? My memory is so bad. <laughs> this is pretty funny that you guys can't remember the song. Do you remember? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ironic. Yeah. 
I remember uh, specifically, so there's like a big drum fill in this song. And I don't usually play songs like this. I like playing all over songs for the most part. But um, this song in particular, I was like, okay, I can't play any drum fills until the very end. And there's one drum fill. And to this day, it's still like, you know, I can't uh, do it all the time. But that one drum fill at the end, when we were tracking it, I just couldn't play for the life of me. (laughs) and play it to the click, like, where I felt good about it. And that's usually not the case. I can usually play stuff, you know, I, I don't have too much trouble. Like, if, if I have a click track going in the studio, I feel way more comfortable than live. So uh, this was, like, the weird, odd case in however many records we'd done that I didn't feel good about it. And I was like, just let me do it again. Just let me do it again. And I think, like, I, I it's one of those fills now that I'm like, I just love to play every time I get to play it because it's, it's challenging and it does that thing where it like hits and you're like, yeah, like that just happened. And <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know how to describe it, you know, better than that, but it's like, it really does that thing where it's like, Oh, you saved the drum fill, you know, the big one for this whole song to just be in that one spot. And it just made it so much better. Cause you know, now like all the payoff is in that end. And so, uh, I think, too, this was one that the girls took to another level. Yeah. They are the stars of the show for the first half of the record. So. Yep. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, I got a question here on Instagram. Eric asked, are there a lot of songs that you write that didn't make the cut for the album? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think they, you know, that we have a ton, we had a ton of different ideas and even sums are well, were for, well, <laughs> were full songs, um, you know. So we we had a whole list of demos. Uh, how many was there, Steve? Steve's like the historian. I think there was like we we came up with like twenty four different song ideas. Yeah, for for this record, uh, for for the eleventh track record, mm-hmm. and some were ideas, some were songs, some were hooks. Yeah, um, you know, and and we always we 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 take the ones. And I think this is something that that Andrew kind of uh, said when we were doing this is like let's let's go home after we do these things and see which ones we remember, no pun intended. Um, and that really was the case for a lot of them. I mean, you know, going home and for a week and seeing which ones we actually remember and which ones that are stuck in our head. Like tired of drinking alone was stuck in my head. It's still stuck in my head. You yeah, know yeah. that was so. It's obvious like that one needs to be flushed out and we need to work on that one opposed to one that we might have thought was really cool at the time. And then, you know, you don't remember anything about the song two days later, which is the opposite of what we want for a record. Yeah, I remember, like, my dad saying that to me a lot. He's like, you remember how the Beatles used to write songs? And he would say, like, Paul McCartney used to, you know, write a song a day or something. And they'd say, how do you remember all those songs? It's like, well, if I can't remember it, it's probably not a good song. Yep. And that like sticks with me until this day. It's like, what are we yeah. doing working on things we don't remember? You know, if we can't remember it, why do we think another person's going to be able to remember it? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that's my philosophy when it comes to writing songs and things like that. And just making sure, like, if I don't like it, if I don't think it's, you know, something that's, you know, catchy or that I'm remembering and singing. Yeah. And I don't think about it a whole lot. I think about it real quick and the band knows this and probably hates me for it sometimes, but it's, it's like an instant gut reaction. I hear something the first time and I'm like, I either like it or I don't like it. And, well, and, and, we, and I remember, uh, I, I remember Andrew when, when we were working on tunes, uh, cause we were, we were going through 
different songs and we're like, you know, Hey, can we work on, should we work on this one? Should we work on that one? And if you were ever like, Oh wait, which, which one was that? Then like it all automatically like doesn't work. Like if, if yeah. you remember it enough to finish writing it, like then there's not enough that's memorable there. That's like, Oh yeah, that one. Like, and like, yeah, and, and that doesn't ahead. necessarily mean that the idea is like done too. You know, it's like you can put it on the back burner and then like, whatever the idea is kind of work it up, you know, like some of the other things like they evolve. So it's like, okay, it's just an idea. And the cool thing is, again, we, we track all that sort of stuff. So Mm -hmm. for the next album, we can kind of look at some things that we're like, well, maybe we can do a couple tweaks here and pull this one back out and throw in some new ideas. And it's like an ever evolving sort of machine. Yeah. I mean, if if the song, if the idea is good enough, it, it has an iPhone recording of it, you know, it's, we have the technology nowadays to to have all of our ideas in one place, yeah. Which is, uh, you know, might have been a lot different back in the day when you all you have is a tape recorder or something. But um, we're lucky to be writing records in this day and age, so we can always reference ideas and reference back to things that we might not have thought were that cool at the time, and then listening yeah. back and be like, "Hey, that was actually," or or you never cool. know, like an old an old recording, you know, from a warm-up jam or soundcheck jam or something could turn into a whole nother song on another yeah. where it's like yeah. oh, it didn't click before but now all of a sudden like that's rad <laughs> that and then move some stuff around and this hook works so much better over this riff or something you know yeah which we'll probably get back into after we get through a few more songs on this record yeah there's one in particular that i know andrew was going to talk about from being an old idea Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That's yeah. yeah. So we'll we'll get there. Should Let's keep moving forward. Time? All right, keep on going. We're already an hour in, guys. This is crazy. Uh-huh. So thanks for hanging with us, y'all. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh wait, great. one more one more Happy thing. Sunday. So, oh, first of all, Henry is uh, having computer problems, so that's <laughs> what's going on with Henry. Don't yeah. worry about him. Tomas asked if we uh, were <laughs> going to make the weight available. We played a cover song on the weight, and we did it at a, a studio in our friend's studio in Tennessee. Yeah, Shuffle Brothers so, Studio. Yeah. Is the weight available or is it not available? Uh, not yet. Okay, we will make it available eventually. Um, we're probably going to do like a single version of it, but not during this last night on the highway season. And then we're probably going to put it on a uh, compilation record, like Wreckage 2. We have enough stuff to make Wreckage 2 now. We just need a reason to put it out. So if you want it, you can email us at contact at com. We'll be happy to send it to you, but it's not yep. going to be out officially anytime soon. I almost forgot we even had that. Yeah. yeah. It was cool. I love the way that turned out. It was the coolest <laughs> drum set. We'll, we'll tell the story about oh, that yeah. when we release that one. Yeah. And I feel like the more and more we talk, people will understand how bad my memory is. <laughs> <laughs> and Shuffle Brothers will eventually come back into the conversation here pretty soon. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. All right. Uh, without further ado, here's track six called This Time Around.
Yeah. I love that song. That's one of my favorite songs on the record. Like, I like it's not a single song, but it's one of my favorite songs, you know? Like, B side. It's an A side, dog. B sides don't uh, make the records. Whatever. Uh, For like a, I don't know. Yeah. It reminds me of like being like out on the road and just like content and just like driving and you're just like, it just has that like really calming, just like, I don't know. Robert, no pun intended this was, with last on the highway. This is your. You brought this in, right? Yeah, this one uh, was another one that uh, happened at Steve's living room, and one of those times that I just would go over early before rehearsal and see what we can come up with. And I remember, well, you know, you never know what I remember. <laughs> um, how I remember it was that um, the, the the whole thing starts off with just uh, a, a chord shape. Uh, B minor to A, which uh, for some people might not mean anything, but it was just like, you know, these two chords that moved into each other. And I didn't have any idea how I, I liked the sound of that, but I didn't know how to move forward with that. Um, so it really just started off with that, you know, just the down and down. And me and Steve just kind of sat there. And I remember um, we kind of just were trying to figure out where it could go, what part B would be. And we just started playing the chorus and just started singing that line. Um, And then we both looked at each other and both got chills and we're like, okay, yeah, there's there's something here. And then from then on, you know, figuring out this time around, you know, what, what that would mean and what it means and, and uh, you know, being a a better person for the one you love is, is really what it's about. Um, And knowing that you kind of, messed up and wanting to fix it and promising to be a better man this time around. Boom. <laughs> uh, I think uh, this is one of those songs and this is kind of rare with us because everyone's a pretty good improviser. So occasionally like you'll get a lot of songs from us that are not songs that need to be played like the exact same from front to back. This is the one of the ones that you can't like mess around with anything in the song it becomes mm-hmm. a completely different thing. And a lot of songs we have, too, you can pretty much play acoustic without a full band. Um, and this is one you 100% can't do that. Without the parts, like, the whole thing falls apart, and you need the entire band to make the song. Right. This is also probably my favorite Warren bassline um, that he's ever written in the band. <laughs> yeah. uh, and Derek asked you a question about how you record your bass. So how did you come up with this bass line, and then... Well, how, did, how do you record it? What's your process? Well, the idea was what what was the what was the song reference that you Andrew that you had thrown out for the feel because that was the reference that we were kind of going on that like baseline that leads think, it that's pretty simple. Uh, I think I was feeling like uh, I keep I told Robert this the other day, but it was Brass and Pocket by the Pretenders. Yeah, and so it's just like um, eighth like an eighth note thing that just jumps around yeah. like. And it, you know, let's get to an eighth note thing that jumps around and you lead it. And I know you're a Pixies fan too. And a lot of Pixies songs are like that too, where you lead with a melodic baseline. And because you're in such a different range than Robert, you're not getting in the way. And it adds this like crazy awesome care. I love it so much. Like, yeah, <laughs> I thought and, it came out so cool. And to dive into the, the sound, um, uh, Jeff Frickman, the guy we recorded with, had a nice um, portable tube preamp that he has. It's nothing um, real name brand or anything. I'd have to look up a photo of it. But I put I plugged into a nice tube amp, and for all the people who are watching, I'm actually able to show my bass. But oh yeah, I got this new bass. Um, here real quick. 
and I tracked this thing <laughs> yeah. on the whole album. And this pickup configuration is pretty unique um, for the people who are maybe just be listening. It's like a silver foil sort of P pickup with a J pickup at the bottom. And what it does is it keeps the super meatiness of the bass, and then you can get a lot of attack um, out of the the further back uh, pickup here. And uh, I think for the record, I think I had brought in uh, a Fender P bass, um, which we did take me higher with, and I think I brought something else, and we plugged that in, we used it the whole entire time. Um, it sounded really good, and it just fits in um a nice pocket especially with having keys in a band it's um you know and having organ there's a lot of low end i feel like there's a lot of clarity in between what steve is doing and what i'm doing holding up that low end so um yeah that's an echo park um bass uh made by gabe curry and uh i think it really uh you can hear it on the record and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm super proud of the sound and yeah yeah sounds great just want to say real quick, I remember when we were writing Take Me Higher, um, I had that riff, like, even even as far back as, like, I remember playing that riff when we were, like, in Hawaii, even. Like, I had that riff as an idea, that one that happens when everything comes in. And as soon as we started playing it, I was like, oh, bingo. Like, there's a home for this riff, finally. And it was, like, itch this this or scratch this itch that I really needed. Like I really wanted to use that riff for this band for a while. And we had tried it with a couple of things. And finally it was like, Oh yeah, we have a good song to like put this in on. It seemed to just sort of fit just right in there for me. And, and it was really satisfying. Yeah. I remember that and, too. Cause I remember that, that line being played, you know, a long time ago. Right. And then once we started putting this together, you played that line again. And it was like, it was familiar because we had heard it, but never used it. And right. that way, with the song, it just was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's that's supposed to be here, right? Right, yeah. Like, and and you're using that, uh, are you using that trem that Supro trem? I, I am. Um, I am using, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> I have it right here. Right. Show and tell. Yeah. Show and tell, yeah. <laughs> Which well, I, I have everything right there. here. So I have this uh, Supro tremolo <laughs> pedal right here. You mean this pedal? Yeah, yeah. literally. I'm, I'm, I'm right above my pedal board right now. Um, so, yeah, I have this, this <laughs> thing, and it's awesome. And it was probably like, I don't know, maybe that's probably what it looked like when I was recording with it. And I was going into um, a Black Star Studio 10. And this cool little amp uh, made by National in the 60s with this thing. And it was just like sitting in the room with both the amps turned up and this thing going. It was just like the coolest, coolest sound. And uh, with uh, with this guy too, the SG. <laughs> yeah. <Same thing. laughs> it's all right here. Nice. Love it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I love that song. I love playing that song uh -huh. too because it just plays yeah. itself. You know, you yeah. just gotta like go through it. So uh, let's keep moving, yeah, moving yeah. forward. See Next song, there. I'm excited for this one. Song seven, which is going to be the uh, the start of side B right. on the uh, on the vinyl. Yeah, uh, here's "Don't yeah. Let Me Go." Buckle up.
came together in the room i remember henry playing a riff and a lot of times we'll just try to write a riff and see what happens when we just start in the room too yeah so we don't really have like a set formula that we use we just you know attack it from all angles and this is one that you know robert just starts singing almost pretend words just trying to get a melody down Mm. and then he starts singing the sort of the second half to it and then i remember coming up with the don't let me go and it turns into this like right. whole other thing. And it was like, holy shit, like that's really good. And this one, I remember coming together the fastest as Pretty far quick. as like a form and stuff, yeah. like probably I, like half an hour to an hour and it was done. Yeah, but we I, did some more work on lyrics. But Cause I came in the room with those two parts basically already in my head. Like I wanted to put those two parts together and I didn't know the exact form. Like I had that riff and I was like, okay, if this like, this riff has to be a song. We have to use this riff. I was listening to a bunch of like Rival Sun, Scott Holiday, uh, Black Crows, all this sort of stuff at the time. And I was messing around in, in uh, open E tuning, which is what I, my alternate tuning is. And this riff just sort of came out when I was messing around at home one day. And I was like, oh man, I got to bring this to the room when I get a chance. And I, and I came up with that other section, which I thought was going to be the bridge, but it wound up we wound up deciding it was going to be the verse basically. And it just sort of like wrote itself with everybody. I remember it coming together super quick and just being, I mean, I'm still super stoked that that riff got a home somewhere and we got to use it for something. And it turned into this awesome rocking tune that I just, I'm really proud of it because it's, it's about the closest I've come to actually writing a song for the band basically. And uh, I'm really proud of it. Yeah, and I remember I remember hearing that initial riff too, and just loving it, yeah, and wanting to do something with it before before anything before it was anything other than that riff. I was like, that riff, 
Yeah, please I, tell I, me that's not no, someone no, else's riff. No, <laughs> I think you played it like when we were all setting up, and like right. we we're like, "What was that?" And then yeah. it was just like, "All right, well, that's what we're working on right now." Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, "Yes, it worked." <laughs> well, that's awesome. Yeah, and I remember too the uh, the chorus of this song, which I mean, the the lyrics in in all are pretty autobiographical, uh, as far as to where I come from. Um, but that the chorus, I remember when we recorded it. It has that that big "Don't yeah. Let Me Go" part in the whole thing, and uh, I just remember when we recorded it. Um, I remember Andrew going in there and just belting and yelling as loud as he could because he had a pretty rough day that day. Right, I was and pissed I think, off about something. I can't remember what it was now, but I remember I was not happy when I got in there. I was like, basically, like. Get the fuck out of the way! I'm <laughs> singing this song. We're doing this first. Everyone's like, "Okay, But it really and shows I on the just record. Carrying my voice, like yeah. I don't know, I'll probably have nodes from that, you know. <laughs> yeah, and it, but it really, it really shows on the record of having that, you know, that that big "Don't let me go" yeah. yell in there, which yeah. Which, yeah. which might not have happened if Andrew had a great day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it might be. Don't let me go, out. guys. Hey. <laughs> It um, was also the first thing that we came up with in the room too, right? And that was yeah, that was your idea, right? For the for the the chorus there, like the I think Are you talking was, to me, yeah, 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 yeah. We had already yeah. talked about that. Yeah. So like how Robert, we mixed those two things together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. I remember talking to Jeff Frickman when he was mixing this. I'm like, no, no, no. They're like, this isn't right. This isn't right. And me and Jeff work on mixes first before we sort of show the band. So. I'm usually the one interfacing with them like that. By the time we get to like a mix three, it's like done already. So that's, this isn't, has nothing to do with Jeff. It has more to do with us getting our ideas across. But, um, um, I remember him telling him like, he was like, what's a good, uh, point of reference for this? Like, what are you trying to even go for? And I was like, Oh shit. Um, Helter Skelter from the Beatles. Yeah. yeah. And that was like my, okay. You know, and he's just like, hmm, that's weird. I like never thought of that. And I was like, oh, but it has all the same elements. You have those huge background vocals. You have that bass line that's just going, you know, and mm-hmm. like you have to lead with that bass line that's like, you know, uh, almost, pushing that song like, forward. It's almost like a nod to Tower of Power. It's, it was really weird for me when we were writing this song to go, oh, I'm going to play the chorus of a song and it's literally just 16 notes on the E string. And then like, I ca- I'll catch Henry's riff at the end, yeah. but I think like everything kind of made that just the song unique. Yeah, and and sometimes like you're just a percussion instrument at that yeah. point, you know what I mean? Like you're just there as a shaker yeah. <laughs> on the low end. And sometimes that, that makes that work. But I love playing this song. Like I love any aggressive song that we play. Yeah. Um, I feel like we started as a pretty aggressive band as kids and I like that's still in us. I love playing these rock festivals and they go like tired of drinking alone. You guys can't rock. And yeah. it's like, okay, well let's play <laughs> like <out>. anything <laughs> of our old catalog. Right. Like we have a yeah. full, we could play a full like 90 minute yeah. set of just just screaming at the top of our lungs if you want us to. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I remember, I remember too, writing, you know, when the lyrics were coming together for this song, you know, I mean, it's pretty personal lyrics about, you know, cause I actually do have a Southern Magnolia. Uh, from Florida, which is my fiance, um, Rachel, but, uh, also like, you know, the, the cross, the, which we do with a lot of songs is the cross between, you know, a a heavy rift rock song and making sure the lyrics line up with a heavy riff rock song instead of, you know, a love song with 
a heavy riff rock song and trying to put that together. So I remember writing this song and even recording it, uh, you know, having to, just some back details since people seem to be liking that. Um, <laughs> you know, how to, how, to, how to mesh both sides together to create this song, which I think is pretty interesting too for someone who might not know how songs usually come together. But, uh, you know, sometimes you do have lyrics that are mean a little bit more and, and more on the emotional side, but then putting that with a heavy rock song, you know, um, is definitely an interesting way to go about this song, at least. Yeah. I love how it turned out, man. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I, I love this song. Yeah. I love it. That's like yeah, the riff like, from the album. I'm like, oh yeah, there it is. Riff. Yeah. That's a, that's a ball kicker. Yeah. And I yeah. do remember when we were recording ball it too, we, there was sort of a decision-making process of like, how am I going to lead into this solo? And I was sort of conflicted because I wanted to do this one thing and then I think Andrew was like, dude, just make like crazy noises on the slide. Like yeah, stop yeah. trying to do something complicated. And I, I think it was literally the first one I did. I was like, yeah. this, like, I'm just going to like fuck around at the top of the neck and go as high as I can possibly go. And then I was like, yeah, I like that way better. And everybody was like, yeah, that was way better than your other idea. So and the cool. other idea wasn't bad. It was just, you couldn't switch from fingers to slide. Yeah, right. In this so short enough right. time, and I'm yeah. like, well, if we want to do this live, there's no way we can do this. Which I yeah. don't mind all the time if, like, you know, live doesn't equal the record. But right. for a solo like that, it's like you're the whole. You know, guitar is the main course of yeah. the song. Yeah. So you can't just like remove the guitar all of a yeah. sudden. You yeah. Know? So. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I thought I it turned out great. I thought mm -hmm. the solo turned out great too. Where it's just like, holy shit! You know, <laughs> yeah. I like the holy shit in it. Uh, this of this song because it, it, mm -hmm. you know you need that for a rock and roll song yeah. you need to hear it and go yeah. like oh my god yeah. like what it just happened to me and, the and i remember like explodes. listening to this one in the car for the first time it's one of the first mixes we got back going like oh my god <laughs> 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 and actually like being really impressed by it which was so cool you know like it like those background vocals hit hard on that mm -hmm. chorus and that's yeah. what you need you know you need that thing to like we don't have the girls on this one. so. <laughs> and uh, this is, uh, I started singing backgrounds um, maybe a couple of years ago, and this is the highest song I sing by far. So mm -hmm. this is like, it was a whole nother <laughs> level of me having to learn how to sing and stuff like that. So I, I'm really excited at the way this song turned out. I yeah. think it's going to be a great song for us to play live and stuff. So Absolutely. Um, let's move on. Yeah, cool. next song. Here's the next tune, track number eight, One Last Time. Try to take it in while it's good When everything feels like it should Friends gather round Tonight it's now or never And we all know That nothing lasts forever The stage is set for all we do Under these lights, just me and you The night is not a mirror I think I'm finally seeing 
follow me tonight We'll live it while we're still free song man yeah <laughs> it's great it's been tough to play live uh because it has such a slow start so i feel right. like once i'm excited for the record to get out for people to hear it more yeah. this is our first attempt this song was written later mm-hmm. in the record right. process and i think this is us starting to find footing in a different way trying to figure out some different stuff it's, this is the first song that pushed us in a different direction Mm-hmm. And so I think <laughs> I came up with the initial idea and me yep. and Steve fleshed this one out. So a lot of the verses are Steve, a lot of the choruses are me. Like this was my Chinook Fest song for myself. I think we had just come back from Chinook Fest and uh, like it's like a campfire song. That's how I always think of it. It's, this one in particular is a campfire song. Yeah. And I just love the way like the choruses like have this Neil Young explosion of like Crosby, Stills, and Nash style uh, background vocals. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's use this opportunity again. So we're doing a live stream for everyone that we didn't get to go see this year. We're doing yeah. a full live stream on Saturday. May um, at, at the same time, right? What's the time? Uh, one o'clock. One o'clock, one o'clock. PM Pacific Standard Time. So 8 p.m. in the UK, 9 p.m. in Central Europe time. And then 1 p.m. and then... On for everyone in the United States. Yeah. yeah. Perfect time on a Saturday afternoon to grab a beer, watch a concert, hang out with us. Yeah, man. Yeah, so that's going to be pretty big, and we're putting a lot of uh, extra work. Sponsored by Hampton Productions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. OCSI. Uh, but, and then the record comes out May 8th, Friday, May 8th. Yeah. Right. And the, and the stream is going to be, the album release show is going to be streaming live on Saturday, May 9th. So you'll have yeah. a whole day to listen to the record. On repeat and learn all the songs so you can sing forever. And we're gonna have a live Q and A like this right after the show, talking yeah. about the show. So it's gonna be pretty awesome. We're really excited about it. 
we're going to send another event out like this. And if you guys show up in these yep. numbers, it's going to be amazing. Jeez. Yeah. I can't thank you guys enough for hanging out. So let's keep listening to music. Uh, let's talk about one more thing about one last time is Henry's amazing solo yeah. at the end of this. Yeah. I think this is like one of those things where this is a definitely a Henry riff at the end of this song. And it sounded like Soundgarden. So I was like, hell yes. Yeah. My inner nineties kid jump for joy. And, uh, Henry went to play a solo on it. And I don't think he had anything written, or maybe he did. It was like the first two takes. Or no, he did the first take, and I was like, holy shit, that was awesome. <laughs> but I was like, there's one thing that could make it cooler than this. Do you remember what it was? Hey, uh, Henry, are you muted? I can't hear you. I can't hear you. <laughs> You're muted, bro. Okay. I, I love that I get to tell Henry the story for him because he's muted. He's probably just going to be pissed off at me. Yeah. Wait, Henry. Oh, there he is. Wait. No. no. But Henry really did. So really what happened though is I said, Hey, screw you, Henry. Give me the guitar and I'll play the solo because you're just a piece of garbage person. I remember so I that. Took yeah, it that's and what I happened. actually played the solo at the end of the song. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he's so mad. This is awesome. Yeah. No, no Henry, uh, try, try logging out and logging back in, man. Um, so what happened was Henry played that solo like verbatim and it was amazing. And I was like, there's one thing that will be able to make this cooler. And I don't know if it's going to be the worst thing in the world or the best thing in the world. And that's like a Kirk Hammett wah, uh, on the rest of this. And both of our eyes lit up and we were like, Oh my God, we were both thinking that. So then he started playing wah on those, you know, I, I think of this as a very 90s solo. It's very Soundgarden and very Metallica yeah. and very Rage Against the Machine. You can yeah, hear that Tom Morello lick in there and stuff like that. So uh, I thought it was phenomenal. Yeah. It's like a spaceship. Yeah. Oh, um, no, no, no. He wasn't muted the whole time. I think he was having uh, another problem with his computer. Yeah. But I'll be yeah. Yeah. Do you want to uh, uh, well, move his oh, feet Can up? I say something about this song? Yeah, sure. Since we're kind of waiting for Henry, but we kind of have to keep going. Um just just as far as background scene stuff that people might not realize is that uh, we all write things in the room together, obviously, but we also are writing them individually with, you know, you and Steve are putting this together and I was in Hawaii. Um, and I remember that you guys sent me over, you guys sent me over Can't Stand It and this song while I was in Hawaii. And I remember talking about these songs while I was in Hawaii on vacation, but still trying to make sure that the record was still you know, moving forward. And I think that that's really a really cool thing that we can do is we can create these songs and, and have like, you know, talk about them, even though one of us is on vacation in Hawaii and one of us back home working on the song. Um, and it's not like I was there to play it or said anything other than like, I think this has, is cool and it has a good direction, but I just think it's interesting for some people that the fact of like, it's not only like when we're in the room is when we're hearing things, for the first time, you know, like we're always sending each other ideas yeah. and things that we're working on, uh, whether we're actually in the same County or not, which I think, yeah, uh, the, is this, just something interesting. This record writing process definitely took up a lot of space on my cell phone and <laughs> sending MP3s back and forth. And yeah, it was, it was really cool. All right. 
Am I? Am I? Yep. Here, yeah. Yeah. here there, there buddy. All right. Cheers. This is Henry. I told everyone the story of how yeah. I took the guitar from you and then played yeah. the solo myself. Yeah. And then I was like, and then I was like, I punched you in the face, and I was like, kind of like shit, <laughs> and I accidentally knocked you out because I punched you too hard, and then I redid the guitar solo. And then and then and Andrew woke up and he heard it and he was like, oh man, I sound and great. He, and he got That's knocked it. out That's again because one. the solo was so mind blowing that it made him lose consciousness again. Uh, no. Um, uh, I remember thinking there were like two things, right? The first thing was that that stupid, like, but awesome Eddie Van Halen, the Tom yeah, Morello yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to do that, but I was like, I was like, I'm not sure if I should do that or not. Like, maybe it's too crazy. And uh, and so I I tried to do it, and then you were like, that was literally perfect. There's just one more thing, and I was like, it's the wah, isn't it? <laughs> like, the entire time I was tracking that first solo, I was like, I should be playing a wah-wah on this, but it'd probably be like, I feel like it'd just be too obnoxious. And then all of a sudden you were like, it needs wah. And I was like, dude, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, It definitely puts it in a place, but like, right. you can't half-ass it if you're going to go there, you know? So yeah. like, why not just yeah. do what it's supposed to do? Balls and that, I, that riff, though, really opened the door to this right. last song. That right. last riff pushed us in a more metal like right. 90s direction it's which so is all in all of us like it's not mm-hmm. something new that we didn't have all the right. rock songs that we do are like rock inspired from what we like but right. I-, I think after that it was just like well let's just take the reins off and so we usually do an instrumental song on our record and mm-hmm. what I've always wanted to do is do mix our songwriting with the instrumental because we never do that for some reason sir before you get into oh, that before, before we get into that we have one this more is the wrong song, song. got it got it we have one more song i'm describing yeah. the wrong song yeah um and i just want to say that riff was as much Soundgarden as it came from uh opeth actually the yeah. death metal band from sweden it was actually my very first concert. I went and saw them when I was 14. Nice. And I still listen to them today. And like, I listen to their catalog still. And I'm like, yeah, I totally got that from like a weird combination of Opeth, Swedish death, me- death metal, and like Soundgarden. <laughs> you hear that, Sweden? Yeah. Yeah. I love you, Sweden. I love Opeth. I love Dunyan. All right. And on that note, here's uh, song number nine. The song is called Gold.
I love everyone saying that the solo sounds like a Prince solo, and it's yes. actually really true. I never thought about it like that before. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was it was That's- literally a bastard child of Angus Young and Prince. Yeah, happening on Purple that rain. solo. For That's sure. one of my favorite like solos that person. I've ever done, Henry. Man. Yeah, Thank you. Def- definitely one of mine too. Favorite solos that you did. Thanks, man. Um. Yeah. So. We always have a six-eight ballad on our records, and it is a extremely coveted spot. Yeah, where uh, <laughs> you can't just get the six-eight ballad, right? And everyone's been writing songs for years and years and years, and because there's only one six-eight ballad, the best one has to win all the time. And we're all real fiercely competitive in the band when it comes to writing songs in <laughs> a healthy way. But that means, like, if you had a really good 6 eight ballad, you need to be patient. And I think I wrote this song five years ago. I wrote, like, the chorus, the, the two sides of the chorus of this song, like, five years ago. And knew what I want the shape to sort of be. It's like, okay, I know it's going to be these four chords. I know it's going to be this sort of thing. And we had, like, Marianne. I think this was post-Marianne. But the, then we had, like, Angeline. Mm-hmm. We had Shine, which Steve wrote for the self-titled record. And I don't think we had, do we have a belt? Oh, we had Coming Home, which you can't yeah. do better than Coming Home, right? Like, that's probably one of our best songs. So when this record came around, I'm like, I am claiming this after five years of six, eight ballad spot on the you, song. You had, you had the first one on Fire Started, though, because you wrote uh, uh, Looking Her Eyes. Yeah, it's been 10 years since yeah. I've had the six, eight ballad spot. Yeah, uh, on the Fire Started record, there's a song called Look In Your Eyes, which is uh, yeah. like uh, a lot of people's favorite songs from back then. And I yeah. really like that song, too, but we're probably not going to play it again just because it's so old. Um, it's so good, though. But this was like... Uh, I had this chorus for years and years and years. What I, uh, it's a direct response again to Ian Cullen. I don't know if I've told Ian this, which is funny. Um, so Jeremiah Red is a, our brother band I've been playing with for years, and Ian was a you know one of the co-writers on Omus Carolina. So we're still really good friends with everyone. We would always be trying to beat Jeremiah Red songs. We never could because they're so good at songwriting. They just had such a great vibe for it, and. Uh, I remember Ian had come out with a song called uh, The Course Was Knock on My Door, Get in My Bed. And it was just this, like, you know, six, Turn eight, down perfect, the lights, like, go and rest your weary head. It was so good, but I thought it was so stupid. And I was like, <laughs> it's so easy and simple. And I was like, I could do that. And that's when that came. I remember, like, I was driving or something, and that came out, and I had to record it. And it is something crazy when you remember a song for five years going like, I know this is good, but I know I have to be patient to get this thing out. So uh, I brought it into the band and I was basically like, this is going to be the six. <laughs> and then uh, I think me and Steve fleshed out the verses. Yeah. Well, you, you and, already had the, you had the, um, yeah, the, you had the first and second choruses already to get, so like the form was there. Which was really cool because I'd never really done songwriting that way where it's you're basically writing somebody else's story because this was a, a very personal thing uh, coming from Andrew um, subject wise. And so uh, it was it was interesting helping him and working working with you uh, to get the verses to be what the story was. And I thought that was really neat. Yeah. It was, it's it very was, like old soul song. Yeah. And um, the... It's mean. It's supposed to be really mean because it's supposed to be like a young person's love song, meaning like when you're heartbroken, like 
you don't care about how the other person feels. You think of the meanest things that you could possibly say. And that's why the turn of the song reveals that, you know, he's just broken up and that's the real reason that he's saying mm-hmm. those awful things. So uh, this is not a song that's just, you know, uh, about childish name calling and saying the worst things about people. It's just about like how you're feeling when you're in that, you know, pit at the very bottom of a breakup, you know? Right. So I remember me and Robert having arguments about like, is this song too mean? I think it's too mean. <laughs> well, it's, and, just, uh, it's just lyrical content that, that is not often sung about. Right. Yeah. And so it, it, you have to like, initially you have to, you know, take a step back and realize what the song is actually saying instead of looking at it as a very superficial lyric, you know? And, and, and Mm -hmm. I know that, that we had some talks about that, like, you know, when we were writing it and even recording it and, um, but looking back on it now, I mean, it's just, it, that, that's what the song needed as a whole, but sometimes you get so close into this one verse or this one, chorus that you don't get to see the whole entire song and sometimes you have to do that you have to take a step back and listen to your heart (laughs) there you go and it is weird like i still hear that lyric now and i'm like man like it i wouldn't say that out loud you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) but uh i think it like it catches people off guard when they hear it because they go like you're not supposed to say that we're having three-part harmony too well and and it's real you know i mean uh, everyone's it's it's honest not everyone but people have had that exact you know thought go through their head or have said it out loud you know i mean it's not something that's like completely out the window yeah and uh yeah i just thought like you know that's it should be told from the point of view of being at the bottom right I i don't feel those things when i'm normal right but it, you can't get it across unless you're using that language of that only someone who had like nothing to lose would say about the situation. Right. So right. I, uh, I thought it was a risk, but I'm glad at this point that we took it because I think the song came out great. And I think the three part harmony on it is awesome. And I think it, when I sing it now, when we sing it now together, it means something different because of that, you know, yeah. like, you know, it makes me have to like be in it more. Mm-hmm. And the uh, people that got leaked the record, uh, that's turning into one of their favorite songs on the whole record. So, yeah. And uh, come on, can we not mention that key change in there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's well, that, so, that was like, I, I had this idea. Uh, like, I basically wrote that solo in the studio. And uh, I had to sort of do this, like, the reverse of a pep talk before going into that solo to get the mood right, I had to kind of like do as, reverse as much talk. as I possibly could to put myself in the right, position Henry, of, of like, yeah, of like, of like, man, this chick just like dumped you and like, you know what I mean? Or whatever, like, uh, like having, having had that experience numerous times and stuff and just thinking about all the times that I was like, man, like I really liked her and just fucking, I'm just like shattered right now. And like had to really just like put myself in that, in that hole for that solo. And I think it was maybe about two takes. And then I didn't, we didn't have the key change. We didn't have a thing there to represent the key change. The key change just kind of happened. And you came in and you were like, (laughs) Andrew came in he was like, you, you gotta do a thing, do this thing. Like, I don't know what it is, but you can do it. And then I did it. And I was like that. And then I was like, yeah. And I was like, 
in my head, I was like, it's kind of got like a My Chemical Romance, like, <laughs> yeah, mean vibe going on, which I really loved about it. And so it was like the solo was entirely it was it was Prince and Angus Young leading into like a My Chemical Romance guitar mini key change thing. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was badass. Where yeah. uh, for me, it was it's still in the same era, but the Killers did something like that on this song called uh, "Clamorous Indie Rock and Roll." But it's one hundred percent a Queen thing. Like mm-hmm. it is like Brian May. That's yeah. his style. Yeah, and just to tack that on to hit the key change. It was like just puts like the biggest period at the yeah. end of that song. Yeah, yeah. It's like you. It's so weird too because you want to ride the line between not being cheesy. Like it yeah. has to be real. You can't yeah. just like throw that in like for fun. You have to really, you know, mean it or else it comes across cheesy. So I think we both were like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. this could either really work or it could right. be really terrible. Yeah. And I, I like the way that it turned out because yeah. it's uh, definitely different than the rest of the solo right. and just tells you something immediately different yeah. is going to happen. Yeah. And, and you're like, Holy shit. So it's definitely my favorite solo, my personal favorite solo of mine that I don't, I don't know, maybe my favorite solo that I've ever done personally, just cause it, it was really like just so, so abundantly clear that I had to listen to like what all this screwed up shit, Robert's singing and like put myself in that place and be like, you've been there before. Like you felt all this messed up shit about a chick before and like, just put that into your solo. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, to me, I feel like I accomplished it and it was really validating to finish it. And everybody was like, man, that was a great solo. And like, I was like, yeah, I did it. Like, it's just so heart, heart wrenching, man. Right. You, you can tell the emotion through your playing, you know? And it's, I, I, I just think you did a really brilliant and beautiful job thank you thanks man yeah you see a lot of people talking about that song on the record too it's like one of their favorites so which brings us to our final song the final song now so we're gonna listen to this in two parts right are we both together both together all the way through yeah Mm -hmm. um do do you want to so that so on the record this is this is going to be this is split into parts one and parts two but we wrote it and recorded it like as Together. one long, like continuous track, right? So it'll, when you pop your CD in or when you put that needle down on the vinyl, it'll go seamlessly from one to the next, which is, which is really fun. And that's the first time that we've done that on a record, which I was, re- I was yep. really about. Um, and then, yeah, cool. Here we go. Are we, we're just doing it. And this is the uh, this is the title track. Um, the title and final Insta- track. Instagram stopped. Somebody's saying I don't know if we want to start that again uh, or not. There it, it it's like, oh, okay. All right. Thanks uh, for hanging with us, y'all. Wow. Yeah, man. <laughs> it, it's taken us over two hours to get through a forty-five minute record. <laughs> yeah. Hey, this is great though. Yeah. Yeah. I love the guy who said it's better than the liner notes. It's yeah, gonna yeah. be. You know, what I mean? awesome. like you want the liner notes? Go listen to the podcast. It's just straight from the horse's mouth. Uh, uh, before we play this last tune, uh, can we talk about uh, Sweet Relief and the uh, fundraiser? Yeah. Uh, so we've been working with the charity Sweet Relief Musicians Fund for almost 10 years, right? Like, yep, not how long have we known Bill Bennett? And uh, they do, you know, they have a Sweet Relief Musicians Fund. 
that is for uh, musicians who've been out of work due to COVID-19. They've been trying to do the, all they can to help people. They have a specific fund for that. They've been doing charity events for years, just with everyone, you know, like, and yeah. just been huge helps to us and supports to us. So they threw you me guys a concert when, when my, uh, my studio got robbed when we were on tour with the rack years ago. And, uh, they, they're just really committed to helping out musicians in, in a financial crisis and providing some, sweet relief to them um and uh no they 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 do an incredible job and uh i know that a lot of us are are affected by this whole COVID 19 thing and especially people that get that make their earnings their their living off of touring and playing shows and stuff this this is truly a tough time um and a lot of people are losing out on a lot so if you have anything to give, uh, please do so. We've got it scrolling down at the bottom here uh, with the link, and I'll post it here in the comments as well. Um, and also, if, if you are unable to give, because I know it's a tough time for everybody right now, just share share it. We've got uh, all of their, their links and stuff tagged on our Tired of Drinking Alone video, which we're using to help fundraise. Um, so just if you can't donate financially, then donate your time by clicking that share button and uh and passing that information along would be great yeah here we go last line on the highway
That's the record. Boom. I'm going to start by saying, let's just talk about this sort of front to back, right? So that is the greatest, Jeff, whatever Jeff does with acoustic guitars is the greatest acoustic guitar sound in the world. I don't know what he does, but Jesus Christ, that acoustic guitar sounds good. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it helped to have a freaking vintage, whatever, however old, 70 year old Martin. Yeah, jacket on that Martin is Warren or Warren's one of, dad. One of my dads. It's right. like a, I think it's like a fifty-three or fifty-seven. Yeah, it's got that really dark tone. And then Jeff has like those cool, super cool old school uh, Sony microphones that um, are super hard to find too. Amazing. And uh, yeah, just listening to it, and it was funny because I think we tried a couple different guitars for that thing. And that one just had yeah. that dark vibe. Yeah. And it fits so well on that song. We thought it might work good on another song. We played it on another song. We're like, yeah, it doesn't really sound that <laughs> good. Like, it fit that one perfect thing. And then, like, you know, we had other guitars for, like, jangly acoustic stuff. But, yeah, yeah dark and haunting. Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. amazing. It was so cool playing that guitar and, and doing that part on it. And just, I love those old Martins. And I want to have one one of these days when I have... <laughs> You know, eight grand or whatever lying around. <laughs> um, so I'll start by saying this: like usually when we get to these instrumentals, at the it's usually we always write them at the end of the records. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the only exception to that was Tightrope, which I think was done before Good Life High even started. So that was like right yeah. after Glory Down, but uh, Witchcraft. It's usually at the end, you know, and it's it's well, the I freedom the first first instrumental that we that we put out too. So we we had yeah that- yeah. It, and they can for, for touring and stuff. Um, so when we have these instrumental tracks, the idea is we've already written all the hits. We already know this record is going to be good regardless. And in sort of the internet age, like people listen to the first four songs of your record and then don't listen to the last four. If that's how they listen to music. I know a lot of our fans are album people and like CDs and vinyls still, which is awesome. But the, the way to think of it is like, if we fuck up this one song, then we haven't ruined the record. So what that gives us the freedom to do is go, let's go for broke. Yeah. Let's go for broke. Like what, what does everyone want to do? And that allows us to stretch ourselves in ways that we would have never been able to do before. And this is just like, I don't even know what to say about it. The way it turned out, like took so much teamwork and it, this one came together really fast too. Mm-hmm. Like all these instrumentals come together in a day or so, you know? So I think I had the original idea for the guitar riff and me and mm-hmm. Steve worked on some lyrics for the beginning. And then for the second half, I just sort of wrote it open ended going like, well, this is cool. Let's figure out how to do the rest of this. And then the band yeah. just like runs in every direction, yeah. like making it the most incredible thing ever. And this is also a cool one because, like, a lot of the times, Robert has a great soft voice, mm. and he never will get a chance in this band to show people that. And this is like a great example of Thank him you. sounding so good, like over that acoustic. It's mm-hmm. I just yeah. love that first part. So, uh, for everyone listening, 
the first and the second part of the song is the first part's the acoustic version. The second part's when it gets more rock and roll. That first part, I just listened over and over and mm-hmm. over again. That sound mm-hmm. of that guitar, the vocal, and the sh- strings, that yeah. string arrangement. Steve, you want to talk yeah. about? Yeah, so uh, uh, our, our good buddies, uh, Gideon and Gabriel Klein, out at uh, Shuffle Brothers Studio in Gallatin, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville, um, brilliant, brilliant musicians and engineers. And, uh, we did our, our, uh, rescue train, uh, recording there. We did, uh, our cannonball live video there. The last time we were in Nashville, we try to go into their studio, um, every time that we're out there and they, Gideon is just an incredible string player. Both of them are amazing musicians and engineers. And, uh, we were like, dude, we, we would love to have strings on this. And we just hit them up and I was like, here's the instrumental it's like nine minutes like we were looking for you know some string like a string arrangement for the you know beginning kind of acoustic part and the end acoustic part and they sent us back like the entire song kind of scored out (laughs) it was just unbelievable man and uh and gideon recorded all the strings himself recording violin viola and cello wow um, on there the arrangement and yeah man they're just incredible people and really just knocked it out of the park. And, yeah. and again, another one of the instances where we just, you know, sent it out and we're like, Hey, like we love your playing. We love your artistry. Do your thing. And we got it back. We were like, Holy yeah, shit. like this is amazing. You know? Yeah. And, and Gideon is a serious badass on guitar as well. Yeah. And I think he, I believe he plays pedal steel as well. And he just like, yeah. and drum, and, or in and, bass. Right, and just like insane at all these every, instruments. Every string <laughs> instrument, and then his right. brother uh, Gabe is, is yeah. a little keyboard player and drummer yeah. and guitar player and bass player. Just very, very, uh, very stoked to to have those guys yeah. as friends. And, uh, and so, uh, Henry, what was that first riff post, like, uh, post the major to minor thing? Um, so, so first of all, I, I do want to say that that working with you on that acoustic part was like a totally crazy new experience and sitting down and like, I worked really hard on, on getting it to follow this. We, we were talking about this shape and it following this flow and everything and, and sort of having the orchestral feel of slowing down and speeding up. And I had never really done anything like that. Uh, and, and you know, like, even put something on a record, it was sort of this sort of like, Oh shit. Like, I don't know if this is just going to be a dumpster fire or not. And, uh, it was a a really, really like, just, just really stretched me as a person. And then going into that, that riff, it was just sort of like, we decided there needed to be a key change from that big buildup. And, uh, and, and I sort of had this like Metallica, like black album sort of thing going on for that, for the thing we had. And I think I basically just played it. Like I just played the riff and I tried to remember it the second time we did it. And I had to like go back and be like, no, it was a different thing. And I like came back up, came back with it again and and throwing in the harmony and stuff like that. And doing sort of like a David Gilmore solo. I think the solo was, was, uh, it's very like animals, Pink Floyd oriented. Yeah, it sounds very, badass. Like, yeah, it's, it's like, like you know, from like pigs on animals, definitely. Um, and then there was that riff after that, which was like, 
those kind of jazzy chords that sort of fall. I wanted to incorporate that idea. And it was another one that I had that idea. And I was like, there's no way this is going to be usable for Robert John the wreck. And then sure enough, we wrote it. And I was like, Oh man, this would fit perfectly right here. with sort of like polyrhythmic guitar part thing. And then it goes into that riff. And I think that riff was almost more of like a, like a, I almost thought of more of like Foo Fighters or something with that riff. <laughs> If that makes sense, so that that's what it that's what it felt like to me when we were writing it, and that was another one that I just sort of like my hand, like I didn't even think about it. My hands just sort of played this thing, and everybody was like, "That's perfect, like let's use that." And it was just these couple of riffs that just kind of came out and uh, fit the bill, I guess. So there wasn't there wasn't much thought to it. It just sort of wrote itself. The muse sort of entered my brain and entered, didn't even, it didn't even feel like it entered my brain. It just sort of like possessed my hands to like <laughs> do these things without even thinking about it and just worked out that way. Yeah. I really like the way, so we do like a metric modulation mm -hmm. and that's pretty cool. And we go into sort of the blues section and yeah, just the way it sort of flows and goes into different stuff without, you know, making it uh, seem too crazy. We also do a metric modulation cannonball, but it's like not right. as smooth and obvious. So um, this one was really cool. And then yeah. we went into like a blues section and I really, really love the chord changes of that hit afterwards. So like the bam, 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 bam. That even is really, yeah, yeah. yeah. Steve, Stevie Dan. Stevie Dan. Stevie Dan. <laughs> <laughs> so what was that all about, Steve? Or what was... I, I, I think you had written that, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was just thinking, uh, you know, we, 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 we go into this uh, blues, blues section and it's pretty straight ahead blues for, for the most part, like once the vocal comes in. And then it's like, cool, like where's the turnaround? What are we doing to get back into it? And it's like, oh, dude, it would be so fun if we just like went down in whole steps, you know, and did this mm -hmm. like Steely Dan thing. And so we're doing, you know, minor, 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 major, major, and then to the five and, and uh, just doing a whole tone scale all the way down and, and then popping right back, back into the blues and stuff. And I thought that was a really cool way uh, to, a, I, I know a lot of us in the band are really love the music of Steely Dan and stuff. Yeah. And uh, that just to me reminded me of like, you know, the caves of Altamira and, right. And uh, which is an, an awesome song, and, and oh yeah, like yeah, let's just throw throw in a little uh, a little of that and give a little you know musical homage, and uh, and also keep it interesting and <laughs> it's so fun to play. <laughs> mm -hmm. I was writing over this stuff, Robert, because this is like the first time we've tried to add words to instrumentals. Yeah, I feel like it's a weird challenge because when you're doing instrumentals, you can throw off the reins. You don't have to leave space for a vocal, so you can be really musically busy, mm -hmm. and it's not a big deal. And in order to leave space for vocals, you know, we need a blues section. We need like something to give vocal space. So, yeah. I mean, I feel like we, and, and, but that was a conscious decision to leave that space for vocals, which, yeah. which is the only way it kind of works sometimes is if you, uh, you know, you, you know, that space and basically that, that blues progression that's happening is, is a lot easier to sing over than if we're trying to sing over, you know, a crazy riff or a crazy other progression. Um, and then when it comes, when it came down to the lyrics, it was just trying to, to, uh, bounce off, you know, the, the part one. And um, how Steve was saying that we kind of like a musical homage to 
to Steely Dan with that with that walk down. There, there's a couple musical homages in those lyrics as well. I mean, I uh, I think the third part it says "Turn the page, turn the page," uh, which is definitely from a Bob Seger song. You know, like kind of like a an homage to him. Um, and I think you know, it just it was it was. It all came from the more of a, a blues standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, the song is an instrumental masterpiece from the beginning, but you know you have to look at it just in the part that we're singing, you know, and you have to just just look at it as that blues piece uh, instead of because if you think too much about what's coming before and what's coming afterwards, it it doesn't um, it makes you think way too much. And I almost thought you had like a like a Don Henley Eagles thing going on with the vocals. To me, when I first heard it, I, I immediately thought of like like. I don't know what song in particular, but just the cadence of it mm-hmm. and the way you do the, the, the wind in my head and the way that that whole thing strung together was very like, very reminiscent of like the Don Henley thing, which yeah. I thought was really cool. Which I've, I've heard that before. I don't yeah. think that was a conscious, like, let's make this sound like Don Henley. Right. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, no. But thank you. Yeah. And it was cool. Yeah. It was cool also to, to have, you know, the uh, part one, um, of last light on the highway, and then be able to explore, you know, that concept a little bit more, like later on in the song, and yeah, with a different feel and everything too. I thought was was a really interesting and and uh, kind of a a, a a like we a risk, you know, in songwriting because it's it's definitely continuing what we had talked about in part one, but also then you know with a totally different feel and stuff. It's like, Oh man, like it, it is the same song and they are talking yeah. about the same things, but with a totally different feel. And I really love the way that that came out, man. Like, yeah. And there's a different, there's a different sense of aggressiveness and a different sense of yeah. following the music, which we haven't really done before, which is really exciting to do on this mm-hmm. record. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to doing more of that, which is like mixing these things. I know like, Songs a lot of the time have to be, you know, in a way that people understand. And we love that too, obviously, with all the other songs we write. But it's also like, you know, exciting to go, what's this thing without limits that we could try and see how people respond to that too, while still having other great songs on the record that are accessible to anyone without having to try so yeah. hard. Like, I feel like, you know, take up the audience on a journey and see where they go because everyone loves it live. No one comes to the live show and sees one of those instrumentals and goes like, oh, I'm not engaged by this because we make sure it's fun. So uh, are there any other questions? I think we're at last minute Q&A. Goodbye to everyone that's leaving. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, thank you all for tuning in. Awesome experience. We'll see oh you my next, God. next Saturday. Next Saturday. Yeah. Next Saturday. On, on Facebook and Instagram for the album release live stream uh also we're going to be doing uh there's still some time for our photo contest which we're giving away two uh pre-order bundles uh of last light on the highway so you have until tomorrow night at 8 30 p.m pacific standard time uh to hashtag any of your photos from our live shows with the hashtag get wrecked 2020 um and we will be picking winners tomorrow and announcing live on our podcast Tomorrow between eight thirty and nine thirty PM. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Go and uh, go and hashtag those things and uh, enter for your chance to win a, a, a brand new copy of the record. Hashtag Get Rick twenty twenty. Thank you for everyone for all these kind words. Loved you on the yeah. blues cruise. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. We are coming to the UK. 
Yeah. yeah, we're working on it. We promise. We'll be there. We get those we be there. messages from everyone all the time, and we're working on it as hard as we can. We promise. Ian says, been listening to rock band since the late 60s. You guys are one of the best I've ever heard. Keep up the great work. Oh, and come back to the UK when the world gets normal. Hey, Thomas, shout out to you for covering our uh, our music. This yeah, good awesome. job, buddy. Yeah, Keep man. It up, man. Keep it covers up. out there. Rocking. Love you all. Love you too, Haley. Love you, Haley. We'll see you tomorrow night. Thank you guys so much for everything. And uh, we'll Bye, everyone. Peace out. See you guys. Peace.